welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throw Rack Paper Rack. I'm one of the hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. And it is Monday, so we are back in your ears reading the second half of They Stay by Claire Fraze. We're a podcast with the Nerdpire Network, and we read books, and then we talk about them with each other. Yeah. Claire's publisher sent us the copy, or a copy of the series, for us to discuss, and we're more than happy to do so. Though we do want to disclose that we did not receive any monetary compensation for reading the books, so we just got the books for free. Yes, and we're both really enjoying them. There's lots of twists and turns, but... They're also very dark, and something that we found that was cool on these books is that they have a content warning on the back of the books, so I'm just going to go ahead and read that before we start. This book contains death, kidnapping, domestic abuse, references to suicide, bullying, and mild adult language. So if any of those don't feel like safe topics, I would maybe skip this episode because you can't really avoid it. Honestly, skip the whole series. Probably skip the whole series because I think it's honestly only going to get worse. (laughs) But... With that, let's go ahead and dive into our plot summary for the second half of the first book. So the quest to recover Max, which is Shiloh's little brother who's gone missing, continues. And like I said, there's a bunch of twists and turns and some special abilities are discovered. Also, we do find out more about the abuse at home for Shiloh. And then Miles and Shiloh's relationship kind of hits rock rock bottom and ends, which we honestly support kind of given their lack of compatibility and it seems like maybe it wasn't going to work out based on what they want and what they need and we also you know find out the whole story and figure out who actually hired leonard who is the bad guy and how he's doing these mission these missions where he's basically playing god and there is of course a big twist at the end which i know i love a big twist so i enjoyed that a lot And that's pretty much it. We'll obviously go more in depth throughout the episode. But for my impression, I'll say, I don't know if, like, I am really, like, this book is reminding me of the lovely bones, like, of how disgusted I feel reading it. If I have to be honest, like, it's really a lot. And something that we mentioned in the last episode that I know on the content warning, it says domestic abuse. But I wasn't expecting sexual abuse, which I would say it's not like necessarily graphic, but like the mentioning of it, I feel like that's something that should be like specifically specified personally. But I have just felt like this has been like a dark, like it's just been a damper. I feel like when I'm reading it, like normally I like to read books and like escape, but this is not like a happy escape. This is just a lot, but I am enjoying it. Like I do think it's a good book. And a good series so far. Yeah, I agree with you. I've been surprisingly enjoying it. Not something I normally would go for. Probably not something I would reach for. I would never pick it on my own. But um, we're reading it for the show and I'm not disliking it. I'm just, I just read a bunch of romance novels and I'm starting murder mysteries, but they're like craft murder mysteries. So they're like fun. They're like, kooky and cute they're not at all like violent or dark um so 
I'm doing that to basically balance out these books being really dark for work. I'm going to read fun stuff for myself. And normally I just read fun stuff for myself. Like, I just, I really need the balance. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I feel like, because we both have, like, been reading, like, Bridgerton. Like, I just feel like this is just a really... It's a huge difference. So it's like, and I like stuff like this, but because I haven't been reading stuff like this or watching anything like this recently, it was just like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot, <laughs> a lot to, con- to process. I finished, I finished the Bridgerton prequels today, which means I'm done with the Bridgerton series. I've only read the first prequel. Completely. We're still working on it, but. I mean, she has written more books, but I'm like, I really. I liked the prequels, but they weren't as good as the original series. Or they... That's not true. They weren't as interesting to me as the original series. And I know that the other books she's written, they're in the same universe, but they're even less related to the Bridgertons. And I'm here for Bridgerton. So, anyway. My impression is I'm surprised I enjoyed it. I still think that, like, there's some things where I'm like, that's a little random. Like, and as in, like, I don't believe this within the context of the world. But that's okay. And I did pull one line that is like, it's very funny. It's not a plot spoiler, but I just wanted to read it. And it doesn't relate to the outline. It doesn't relate to anything we're going to cover. So I feel like I just want to read it out of context because I did giggle reading this on the train. So this is when they go to the homecoming dance. And basically, you know, they're talking, Shiloh's talking about like the decorations And she says, um, nobody's dancing yet. So I walk closer to it, to the table and find out, find that its branches are covered in leaves cut from construction paper. Glitter glue clings to the edges of the leaves, making them look as if they're rimmed with frost. God works hard, but the decorations committee seems to work harder. And I don't know why I thought that was really funny, but it just also was jarring because it didn't like match the tone of the rest of the book at all. Like, for her to make a joke about the high school decorations committee. Maybe also, like, it gave me a little bit of office vibes with, like, party planning committee. But anyway, I just thought it was funny and I wanted to flag it before we get into the super dark stuff. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I I did not laugh at that, but it was cute. (laughs) Okay, well, let's go for it. So, diving in. We were left off last week. They're in the woods. They find a woman who overdoses... And Francesca basically pushes the woman's spirit back into her body as she's dying. So she doesn't end up dying. And that wasn't clear to me at first that she's the one who like did that. Like that she basically turned the woman around in the the hallway of light. But then later when Leonard sees them, he says to Frankie that she has the same abilities. And she's like, yeah. And so it's basically confirmed that she can do what he does. Which is kind of what he does. He pushes spirits into bodies. Before I talk about this, I'm confused because I'm pretty sure you called Francesca Frankie in the last episode too. Did somebody else call her Frankie? Because I know Jonah calls her Frankie and like Shiloh notes that like he's the only person who says it. Did he say that in the first half of the book? Someone definitely called her that, but maybe they meant it like in a mean way. I just remember you were saying it and I was like, I don't even remember that being a nickname for her. But like in the like one or two Jonah chapters we got... Or whenever he spoke, he calls her Frankie. And Shiloh's like, I don't know why he calls her that. Like, he's the only person who calls her that. But I I had thought about it in the last episode, but I was like, maybe I missed it. But I just wanted to note it. Well, that's just my natural human 
this is one of my quirks as a person is that I always give people nicknames and like I either, I think I might even call her Franny as maybe well. That's, maybe that's what you said in too. In the last episode, which no one does, but I got definitely got that from Bridgerton because the um, sixth book is the daughter of Francesca and her lover calls her Franny. And so if I call her Frankie or Franny, I mean Francesca. It's just that I gave I her I guess it's like Lime Bean from the City of Ember, right? Yeah, I guess. But I didn't call her that. I just called her Lina. You just didn't like her name, so you changed No, her. I'm I'm saying that that's what I did. Like, you're doing that, and I'm doing this. Or I did that. I don't really feel like that's an equivalency, because I don't dislike the name Francesca. I just gave but her But you still changed your name. It's the same. Anyway, as far as Francesca, Frankie, Franny, whatever Charles wants to call her, being able to put this woman's spirit back in her body... I also was confused in this part because from all of her interactions with her so far, she's not been able to touch the ghosts. She can see them, she can talk to them, but she can't touch them. So yeah, I was like, why was she able to touch this specific woman and then not only just touch her, but be able to push her back into her body so that she was able to come back to life? Like, was this because she was so recently dead? Like, is there like a time lapse that you have like a certain time limit that you have before like your soul can no longer be returned to your body maybe francesca's always had this ability but it's because of that time limit she's never been around someone when they first died i don't know just things to think about that's interesting because we don't know i assumed it had to be like as the person was dying like a time limit like you just said that seems logical well logical that seems reasonable to me that like basically as your spirit departs, you can just, like, turn it around. But from what Leonard says later when he they confront him, and he's like, you're just like me, girly. I, that's what his voice sounds like <laughs> in my head. I'm wondering if that's what he does. Like, he literally takes bodies and then stuffs souls into them. And now maybe it's a combination of both. But he doesn't have to be, like, but maybe the body has to be fresh. Maybe, like, the body has to be basically able to sustain life. Like the body has to be like healthy enough or like, like and how, like with an organ donor, like the organs still have to be fresh. Like it can't be. Yeah. Or like days old. Like for example, the girl Poppy, he kills her right before he puts Natalie's spirit into her. So that basically her body, like all it would take is just like to heal her wounds and her body would be fine. You know? I think that that would make sense because we also learn later on that Francesca is able to touch other ghosts because she touches George Haggerty, the man that she burned, his body. She's able to touch him too. So maybe it's something that like her powers developed and like she never felt strong enough. So that's why she wasn't able to do it. I feel like, yes, like you said, that seems reasonable that it's like, okay, the body has to be fresh. And then since now she's developing the ability and like confidence, something to be able to touch the spirits. Like she could essentially do it to any spirit. I mean, she could literally do like Leonard says, she could do what he does. Yeah. So like, so basically that makes me think that what Leonard does is like he can take any spirit, even if it's been around for 10, 15 years or whatever, and shove it into a fresh body. And which is what he did. Yeah. I think that also makes sense because as we get like near the end of the book, they kind of 
or Leonard's talking about, or maybe that was the old lady. I don't know. But they just talked about how the idea that Francesca thought that spirits like went away, like how if you listen to our episodes, like on the Skin Jacker trilogy with Everlast and everything, that like once you go into the light, like that's when you would go to like heaven or something. But it sounds more like you don't ever disappear as a ghost. You just go other places and like you could find holes and like return yeah. kind of thing. So like at any point, essentially, if you have this ability, like Francesca or Leonard could put a spirit that's been dead for a hundred years into a person's body if it's fresh enough. Is I feel like the kind of world building we're getting based on what we know right now. Yeah. Again, we don't know, but that that kind of makes sense with like the events that we saw in the book and with what Leonard says. But so that's us jumping way ahead, basically piecing together what we think her powers are. So Back into the plot, though, they bring this woman in and they report it to Connie, who's the nice cop, and they tell her their suspicions and she's super dismissive. And then she says, how do you know Leonard? And it sounds like she knows him, too. Like, I think the kids bring up his name first, like Shiloh brings up his name. But Connie's response is not like, who is that person or where is this name coming from? It's like, you know about him? And for me, that was a tip-off, that she had something to do with it all. So I didn't catch this in this way because, like, I took it as when she said, how do you know Leonard? She was trying to be like, how did you get, like, how did you know his name? Because, you know, if they were just like, we saw this guy, like, you know, like, why do you think it's this person? That's what I took it as. And then sure. also I would say that I was assuming that Connie, why she was being dismissive was because Shiloh's dad got to her. Like, kind of thing. I was more thinking of the idea of how, again, Shiloh can't trust the police because her dad is the police and the police are all on his side. So they would be like, you know, your dad told you to stay out of this. Like, and, or like, you know, it could be like anything she says, like she's making up and like they immediately believe her dad. So that's why I wasn't necessarily suspicious of her. Also, because at this point, we had no reason to be suspicious of her because at this point, we're thinking that. They took Max so that another boy who died could be put into his body, obviously. And so family members of that person. And at this point, we don't know that Connie has any young boy family members who passed away. Like, that was not something that had been presented. So I definitely wasn't thinking of her as a suspect. I wasn't like, she's a suspect. Like, I wasn't like, she's... But I definitely noticed it, and I felt like the language made it sound like she knew more than she was letting on. Which, again, Whereas I was, could have yeah, gone getting, to, like, the father knowing stuff that we didn't know. Like, how you yeah, felt last that's, time. Yeah, that's what I was assuming, that, like, they have been told to withhold information from Shiloh and to not trust her because of the dad. And, yeah, that's what I was assuming in this moment. But, obviously, that does not turn out to necessarily be the case. So, Miles and Shiloh then continue to fight. And so she gets out of of the bus coming home from the hospital like basically in the wrong end of town and then she goes to the library like which again is one of those moments where like this feels a little insane to me and i know going home for her is not particularly pleasant or safe because obviously at home like she could get abused at any moment but like i know she's frustrated with miles but like just like protesting and like putting yourself in an unsafe area like Again, it it fits with Shiloh's character. It's just, like, completely not 
like at all the reaction I would ever have. And then she's like, and now I'm going to go to the library. Like, okay, Hermione Granger, back off. Um, so she makes some important discoveries there. Like there was a circus in the early 20th century with a necromancer. I can't believe I'm saying that. Called Leonard Gallus. And he apparently died after killing a girl in his necromancy act. Like clearly he didn't bring her back to life. And so he clearly is related to the person now, or he is the person. It's sort of unclear. We don't really know by the end of this reading, even though, I mean, I feel like it's implied that it's the same guy, but who's just been hopping bodies, but we're not really sure. And then as she leaves the library, her dad is there and we end on the grossest and weirdest cliffhanger ever. Yes. But before we get into that, I do think Leonard, I think it's all but confirmed that like he's jumping body to body because the whole thing is when... Shiloh does the research, the Leonard that she finds from this circus from the early 20th century. He only has three fingers. Like, in every photo, like, description of him, he only has three fingers on both hands. But this man that they've seen and that Francesca has seen that has kidnapped Max, he has all five of his fingers. So it's, like, clearly not the same person. Also, like they said, it's reported that he died, so... Unless this is a man impersonating as him. With the same powers. But since with the same powers, which I, I guess it could be that he, because they do mention that there was this, like, that there was this horse boy that, like, he was really close with, like, maybe they were lovers or just really close friends. I guess it could be hinted that there's a possibility that he could have taught him these powers, but I feel like it's more likely that he, like, when he died... Or, like, he switched bodies and, like, took over this guy's appearance because, obviously, he would have been blacklisted after the incident in the circus when he killed someone. So, I feel like that is the most logical explanation. Yes. For, like, that being Leonard and him having that specific body. But now, getting back to the disgusting cliffhanger at the end of the chapter, which, here's the extra trigger warning where the, like, this doesn't end up being like sexual violence, but the implication is that when, again, we talked about in the last episode how, I mean, there's clear hints that like Shiloh's father has molested her or made her do things, which we do get confirmation of that. And so at the end of the book, I have the, at the end of the chapter, basically as she's on her, when she sees her dad, he's like, get in the car. And then he's like, when we get home, I want you to take your clothes off. And that was the end of the chapter. And I was like, what are we reading? This is horrible. I hate this. I'm so uncomfortable. Like, sitting on the train, like, what did I just read? And it this ends up being, like, not a sexual thing. Basically, she, like, strips down to her underwear because he's going to beat her, like, with a belt. And, again, reminds me of, like, Bruiser and stuff. And Shiloh, though, is able to stand up for herself, which I'll say... That was at least hopeful to read because she's, like, becoming so fed up with it that, like, she isn't just going to take it. And she actually ends up cutting her dad, like, on the arm with a knife. But she still, of course, hesitates because she still loves her dad. And he hits her to the ground or something. But the mom actually, because, again, the whole another thing is that the mom just kind of lets this happen, doesn't do anything. She steps in and hits him with a pan. But she still wasn't strong enough because he ends up hitting her with the pan because she only hit him once, which it's always, you got to hit them until they're down. 
You got to keep hitting them. But well, it is in, what it yes, is. It was, when someone is attacking you, you got to hit them until you're down. You should not be generally attacking people. No, no, I'm talking about in self defense. I that's when I'm like that's my pet peeves. Like in movies, when people first of all one gunshot, one one hit, like you hit them until they're down and not moving. Like you don't want them to come after you. Like I don't know. That's just like that to me is like things that are Unless unrealistic. You're the police in real life in America, in which case stop using your guns. But I'm talking about specifically in self defense situations, I, I, like I know. escaping a kidnapper. Of course, we do not condone violence of any kind. Except in self-defense. But either way, yes. this chapter, this whole section was really hard to read. And then, I mean, it's just a lot. So that's why, again, <laughs> this is not the series for everyone. And I think it's kind of cool that they have the ghosts and stuff. But the, it's, at least for me, it felt, it, it left me feeling very, like, dirty and, like, gross. This book, like, truly runs the gamut of, like, subject matter. <laughs> Like I mean, literally covering everything. And, like, even what comes next is kind of gross. Like, it's hard to read. So Shiloh then sneaks out. She goes over to Miles' house, and she's feeling super vulnerable, and they actually end up having sex for the first time. Both of them. It's their first time individually and, and together. But then, and then afterwards, Miles, like, wants to talk about it, and, like, he also wants to talk about the, because he can see the welts on her back. He wants to talk about it, and she's not ready to yet. And so she leaves. And so they don't actually process. But you also left out the worst part is that Miles tells Shiloh that he loves her, and Shiloh obviously isn't there yet and is uncomfortable. And she she thinks about it and talks about it a little bit with Jonah and the idea that, like, her dad has, like, told her her whole life that she's nothing and, like, as strong as she is, like, that gets to you. And it's this idea of how can... I, how am I lovable when, like, I'm nothing, like, I'm worth nothing kind of thing. And this is, again, where we've said that, like, maybe Shiloh and Miles are not compatible with where they are in life because Shiloh's dealing with all this trauma and Miles doesn't really have anything like that to relate to. And, like, he's trying to be as understanding as possible, but there's just some things that he's never going to get, at least at this point. Well, also, but she, she feels like they can't really be in love either because there's this big secret between them. Like, well, yes, yes, which is honestly true. I mean, it's mature based on what happens. That. Yeah, but yeah, basically, he tells her that he loves her, and she's like, "I don't love you." Leaves him sitting there all pathetic, and like runs out. And of course, she feels really badly about it. But the damage is done. Yes, and we'll talk about when they get back to school, but um. We actually, in between chapters, we have our first ever Jonah chapter. And it doesn't really do anything for the plot, except, like, it definitely indicates that he has feelings for Shiloh. Like, that, un, like big surprise, he didn't know he was going to have them. But he definitely, like, has the beginnings of a crush. Well, again, I definitely called it, like we said, or I don't know if we learned in this reading or the last, but, like, I think it was in this writing we find out that Jonah lived in the tent city that they went to. So, like, where the homeless people are. Like, he's... And he's in the foster system. Like, he suffered and also gone through trauma. So, like, it makes sense that, like, him and Shiloh would just have more things to relate on. I mean, they're so young and they've already been through so much. So, Shiloh goes to school. She's obviously dealing with this fight between her and Miles. And she also doesn't cover up 
the signs of abuse from her father. Like, she's like, I'm going to do this, which, I mean, it was very brave of her, except that, like, obviously it's, if you're not prepared to, like, out what happened to your dad, like, if you're not prepared to vocalize it, you're going to just draw attention and suspicion and false suspicion. And so then she gets brought into the principal's office and she immediately realizes they probably think it's her boyfriend that's hitting her. And then she has to be like, it's not Miles, which makes it look incredibly suspicious. And I was just like, I mean, again, I'm not going to tell someone ever who's like going through abuse, like how they need to deal with that. But it felt like, I mean, it was, she thought in the chat, like sort of in a childish moment right then and there, like as she was leaving the house, she's like, I'm not going to cover it. But then when it came down to it, she wasn't prepared to blame her father. And so she wasn't prepared to do that. She was potentially endangering other people. I think that it was a good step for her because it kind of pushed her to tell people. I agree. Like it was kind of like one of those moments where like, just like when she cut him and she's like, did I hurt you? Like, it's the kind of idea of she needed that push. I feel like she like subconsciously needed to push herself because she was ready to tell people because she does tell Miles. Yeah. And he has the worst response ever because, (laughs) but before we get there, so before even then, Miles obviously knows something's up because like we said, when they had sex at the end or whatever, Like, she kept her shirt on, but, like, when she's getting dressed, he sees the welts on her back. And the thing that she shows at school, really, the only thing that's showing is she has a black eye because her dad punched her in the face. And she even said he normally doesn't do that. He's more careful. So that's really what everyone's seeing, a black eye. They don't obviously see anything on her back because she has a shirt on. But Miles saw the welts. And so, you know, my first instinct is, you know, maybe he'll tell, you know, an adult about this if he really cares about Shiloh. Because, you know, if I'm a teenager and, you know, my significant other has clear marks that they've been hurt. And even if they won't tell me, like, I don't know, I feel like I would be seeking help. But even if you did it and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to give them time to do it on their own. I just, I mean, after this, Miles is just downhill from here, like, with his response, I feel like. Yeah. But. Yeah, I agree. But like Charles said, then she, the principal calls Shiloh to her office to interrogate her basically at the black eye, and, like, we don't know if maybe Miles said something, but I just got the key. I just got the hint in the sense of, we know this is a small town, small school. Shell's walking around with a black eye. It would make sense that the principal would say something. For sure. Or someone, a teacher would say something. Yeah. So, this is honestly, though, I felt like really good writing on Claire Fraser's part. Like, so basically what comes next is this big misdirect where Shiloh thinks that the principal is the person behind it because... Apparently, the principal thinks her grandson is going to come back to life. He's about Max's age. He, like, drowned in the lake. And it was, I thought it was really good. Like, I felt like she really distracted me from, like, I completely forgot about that Connie weirdness until the end. And, like, it fit exactly what we were looking for. And, I mean, obviously, like, you know, obviously Claire knew which. what we were looking for since she told us what we were looking for. But I just thought it was really good. Like, I felt like it was a great bait and switch that all you were directed to like, look at the principal and then it was someone else who like fit the story even better. I thought that was really good writing. 
I did too. I mean, I didn't suspect Connie, obviously, at all, based on what I said earlier, but I was like, oh my gosh, is it really the principal? Because I feel like at first it was like, oh, that seems too easy, but then you're like, well, she really is, like, acting weird and, like, does seem kind of suspicious, and like we said, we're looking for someone that would have a child about Max's age who died recently or not necessarily even recently, but they really want them to come back. I mean, how the principal was talking about was honestly like, she needs to go to therapy. Like she had some issues, how she was talking about it. It was like, are you okay? Like it was a little weird. Well, also what was so good about the whole Connie, like it being Connie is that Connie makes sense as one of the people who might know that he hits his children. Yes, because that was Shiloh's whole thing of, like, it would have to have been someone that was close enough with their family that they, like, suspected that her and Max were being abused, which, like, obviously, in her mind, no one knows. So it's, like, who? And it does make sense. Connie's closer with the family. Is Obviously, she works with the dad, like. Well, also, Shiloh says, like, he hit them at the office once behind, like, like behind in his office. And, like. He, and you they think, thought no one saw, but like I mean, again, the like disgusting feeling when it happens of like this idea of, you know, instead of protecting these children, who's you know she's a cop, these people are supposed to be cops. Remember, protect and serve. Instead of you know saving these children from their abusive father, oh, you know what? Let me hire somebody to kidnap the younger son so he can be murdered, so that my dead nephew can come back to life, and then just let the girl keep getting abused. Like, I just. Like, when Shiloh had the thoughts that she's, like, she wanted to, like, if she had the gun or whatever, she would have shot her right then. And I was, like, I would have, too. I, like, yeah, made me that, so sick to my stomach. It was truly disgusting. Especially because Connie was somebody that Shiloh really respected and looked up to. She was, I think, maybe the only female cop. She was the only the, female cop. And also, she always talked to Shiloh to about, Shiloh. like, you she can She was come really to nice me. to her. Yeah, like she so literally, it was, t- she's the reason Max got kidnapped. And then when... Shiloh went into the office. She's like, you can always talk to me. Like, you're the reason Literal, he's gone. yeah. That, I feel like, was the kind of betrayal that was, like, what made it a really good twist. Because it was, like, one of the only people Shiloh, like, liked, for, like, you know, besides Max. I feel like that she mentioned, I mean, obviously besides her friends and stuff, but one of the only adults she liked, again, respected, and actually she's the reason that Max got taken. Absolutely awful. But before we keep talking about that, let's go back to Miles a second because talk about betrayal. Because, again, I feel like we've been neglecting him a little bit and we need to rail on him because he's awful. So Shiloh tells Francesca and Miles about the abuse. Francesca's like, I'm so sorry. Like, that's horrible. Francesca is the Francesca's the best character. (laughs) She's just, she's deadpan. She's like, I'm so sorry to hear that. Just like perfect like she's just the perfect response i don't know i love her character yeah francesca is definitely the mvp of this book (laughs) on the other hand miles breaks up with her absolutely ridiculous also because let's go back because so shiloh like we said showed up to school with the black eye francesca i don't even think even says anything about it i don't even think she says anything about it. and then shiloh's just like our dad hits us Please don't tell anyone. You're the only person who knows. And I was like, wow, such growth. Shiloh just openly told someone. She didn't even ask about it. Yeah. And then, of course, she's like, I can't believe I told Francesca before Miles. I really need to tell Miles. So she's all excited. She goes to tell Miles. Obviously, he knows that she's being abused because he saw the, like, welts on her back. So, you know, she's expecting, like, 
oh, he's going to be happy. I'm finally opening up to him. And she's like, she says, my dad is hitting us. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you before. Whatever. I'm abused. And his response is, I'm sorry that's happening to you. I have to go to class. And walks away. This is a man, no, a boy, who just told her that he loved her. And that's his response to her telling him that she's being beaten. I, I just, I, I don't know. And also, like, I understand that Miles' ego is bruised with what happened. You know, they had sex for the first time. He said he loved her. And she's like, I'll never love you. And I know drama, drama. You're so sad. But doesn't it all make sense now? You wanted her to open up to you. You knew that she was suffering. I mean, obviously, she's suffering from the disappearance of Max. But now you find out on top of that, her whole life, she's been being abused by her dad, the person that you think of as your is supposed to be your greatest protector, like your parents are supposed to protect you and love you, but actually they're hurting you. Yeah. And, like, also, this is where, like, we've talked about them not being compatible, where, like, it's obvious that Miles doesn't actually love her because this is exactly what Shiloh, like, she thought about earlier. She feared it would happen if, you know, she tried to open up to him and tell him the truth because he he doesn't know her. He doesn't know the things that she suffered, the things that she's been through. And it seems like at this point, whether it's, is it he can't handle the trauma or he's just so butthurt about with what happened, like... I don't know, to me, like, I understand you're hurt, but I feel like that was the explanation you've been asking for. That's why she can't say she loves you. That's why she doesn't know she can love anyone because of how she's been treated. Like, she's damaged. But that doesn't make her, like, not worthy of love. And I feel like he's proving basically what she was afraid of, that I am, like, she is damaged, and now he can't love her because of it. And I know they're kids, and, like, it's hard. They're, like, little teenagers. But it was just... I feel like probably a nightmare situation for Shiloh because literally her worst nightmare, what she, this is exactly why she didn't want to tell him happened. So it just kind of goes to show that Miles was like, not actually this great gem that everybody looked up to because he can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't like, yeah, there's not much more to say on that. Like he also, so basically he walks away and then they talk later and he's like, I don't think I could do this. This is like too much for me. But he's like, but I'm still going to help you find your brother. And she's like, oh, okay. I, I guess, I guess we can do that. Um, yeah. Cause he's like, I don't want to be the person who breaks up with you and doesn't help you find your brother. I'm like, well, you already literally broke her heart. And like I said, I think it took me a while to write down the note that I hated Miles because I was really trying to give him a chance to, like, say something to, like, make up for, you know, his or just like initial back, reaction. Yeah, because his initial reaction, honestly, was not that, like... It made sense. It made sense. He was hurt, but I was just like, there's no way he's going to, like, that's what he's going to say to her. With That's his only response to her saying, I am being beaten by my father. I mean, and then there's other things that has happened to her that we haven't talked about. Yeah. That, like, he, again, he's also, like, molested her. Like, I just, and she doesn't say that, but it's just the idea of, I just cannot imagine it. I understand even if you're upset in that moment, but he never comes back and says anything else. Yeah, no. He comes back later after having thought about it and is like, we're breaking up. So. Yeah, like, that. that's his conclusion to it. You're abused. I can't be with you anymore. Yeah. Like. So things kind of tumble from there because, like, Shiloh, she tells her mother that, you know, one time her dad undressed and made her like touch him inappropriately 
And that, in conjunction with this fight, ends up being the final straw. The mom actually goes, she gets them an apartment to escape to, which is amazing. Like, she finally, I mean, it's a little late, but, you know, at least she does something. Yeah. And then the FBI interviews them, which we don't know who called the FBI. It was, um. Well, the FBI were there. The FBI were there as a part of Max's disappearance. I know, but who turned them on to thinking that the dad was abusing them? I mean, maybe it was because of the, I mean, the, the way she looked in school that day. Um, my personal theory been, is that been for Connie sure. called the FBI and told them so that there would be a suspect so that people would stop tracking. I guess. I also think that, I mean, it's normally in, like, kidnapping situations, it's, a, like, it's someone close. It's a family member. And... I feel like the suspicion, I mean, yeah, maybe part of it was her going to school. To me, I feel like it was a natural conclusion eventually that they should have looked harder into the family because, I mean, Shiloh, I think she mentioned that, mentioned that at the beginning of the book that, like, when they were questioning her dad, obviously, just their local police department, obviously they weren't taking it seriously because he's the sheriff. He can do no wrong. But, like, if the FBI come in, like, you're going to be treated like any other civilian. So I feel like that made sense. I mean... I kind of wish he had done something so that he could have went away, but yeah, he didn't. And so then the FBI, like we said, interviews her. They arrest her dad. Shiloh is glad he's gone, but she knows he didn't take Max. And so they decide to still go through with their plans of breaking into the principal's office and stealing the ghost monocle from Jonah's neighbor. Honestly, don't get me started on that. And then Shiloh takes her dad's gun. And I was like, good Lord. Do not take a gun. I mean, I guess they needed it later on, but like, ugh, ugh, ugh. I mean, did they need the gun? Again, it's the whole idea of if the gun wasn't there, would anyone have gotten shot? I mean, again, we don't know if Leonard had his own gun, but it seems like based on what plays out, he didn't at least have one directly on him because... Correct. He ends up using their gun to shoot people. So this is definitely, that's what I was thinking about during this scene, that I understood Shiloh wanted to protect herself, assuming, you know, Leonard has a gun, but it did end up turning out the whole argument with like shootings and stuff of if the gun wasn't there, would anyone have gone like, would anyone have gone shot? Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking about, honestly. But yes, definitely not a good idea for some teenagers. I mean, at least... Shiloh took the liberty to go on YouTube and learn how to properly load the gun and shoot and aim, I guess. Yeah. So she just didn't go blindly in. Yeah. Good guy with a gun, bad guy with a gun. But if there was no gun there, no one got shot. Definitely. It could have ended up badly anyway, but. Yeah. So. But I understand, like, again, her assumption is, well, he's going to have a gun. I want to have something to protect myself with. So, I understand, and she couldn't have known, so, but it's just unfortunate with what happens. But when, yeah, when they're at the neighbor's house, though, with the ghost monocle, this whole scene was just like ridiculous and also unnecessary. This to me was kind of like the comedic, well, I don't know if it's comedic, scary, like trying to go into the like whole ghost thing. Because, like, they're – so now everyone was kind of able to see a ghost because they're all able to look through the monocle. And basically, Jonah's neighbor is this old lady and, like, her sister – well, actually, it turns out the old lady killed her sister, like, when they were teenagers 
or like kids and now the sister's spirit like haunts the house and i was scared it was kind of scary like when they were showing this part also i mean how they described how the like the girl looked crazy like definitely was being set up for like horror movie and like she was able to move books off the bookshelf and was like slamming it and there's like she touches shiloh's shoulder and shiloh's like i thought ghosts aren't able to touch people it was very freaky like i don't like stuff like that so i did not enjoy it at all no i didn't enjoy it either i just felt like it was not necessary but whatever um i think yeah i, think I mean we needed was... it we needed it for progression for everyone else to be able to see ghosts and like fully but, believe in it maybe i guess yeah but i just felt like 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 when they're like we have to go downstairs and get the monocle and the the lady is like are you guys here to steal my ghost monocle and then she doesn't kick them out of the house like random like random and then like well you're saying why the old lady didn't immediately kick them out of the house after she confronted them and they were like, we're here to take your monocle. She didn't kick them out because she saw that Francesca could see ghosts. And she's like, can you please like exercise her from the house? That's why she didn't <laughs> kick them out because she's like, I need an exorcist. And this is an exorcist right here. Please, I'm begging you. That was so scary too. Because she was, I mean, imagine living in that house with a ghost and she's like, please save me. That was terrifying. I hated that section. I was yeah, also I laughing because was, it was so ridiculous. But at the same time, it was, time, it was terrifying. Like, and it was just like, again, this book has everything in it. I'm like, we also needed the haunting of the dead sister. Like, I don't know. It was a lot. I think, so, I guess that's like expanding the world of like ghosts. I thought that was interesting because, I mean, it was kind of how she was explaining. She's the one who explained about how, yeah, it was the old lady who explained about how like ghosts never disappear. They stay. You know, we got the title drop there. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was that world building for, like, the ghost section of the world, where it's obviously, like, we've mainly been focused on at least the ghost in relation to Max's disappearance. But that's, like, I'm assuming going to play more into, like, the rest of the series. Yeah, I guess. So, again, just to my point of it being fantasy, like, they didn't get in trouble for assaulting a member of staff at their school or breaking into the principal's office. Like, I know that apparently they found Max, so, like, they're obviously going to let Shiloh go to him. But, like, that was, like, ridiculous that I we mean, just, like, skipped their when consequences. She, she, like, stabbed him with a mop, and I was shocked. I was shocked. I was definitely, that was not what I was expecting to happen when they, like, get cornered by the janitor that she was going to physically assault him with basically a weapon. And then they, like, and, walk out of the school scoffery after breaking but, into the principal's office. But to me... That made sense in that, yes, they would, of course, get to walk out scot-free because they just heard, they thought that they'd found Max in, like, another city. So, of course, they're going to let her go. Now, maybe she could have faced consequences later, but obviously we don't get to that part. I guess. I just was a little all silly to me. But also, I mean, I think people are in general, like, giving her a break. Like, also, I mean... This is also when they found out that they thought that her father had literally killed his child, so... Well, yeah, killed his child. Also, it comes out that, that that's when everybody finds out that he abuses her yeah. and the and the wife. So I feel like they're like, if anyone deserves a pass right now for violently assaulting someone, is somebody who's been beaten <sighs> their whole lives and their brother is possibly missing, dead, or possibly found. Like I, so I feel like that is realistic with what I think 
not only just Max being missing, but the combination of the dad getting arrested and, like, the abuse fully being, like, laid out. I feel like that makes sense that, like, they were, like, just let her go. (laughs) Just, she's not worth it. Okay, fair enough. Well, so, like I said, things go really fast. They have the monocle. They go back to the cemetery, which didn't make a lot of sense to me either. Because, well, only because they're looking for Max's ghost. And I was like, if Max's ghost shows up, that means they killed him. Like, that was silly to me. But, but. Which, I guess that was like their way of. Being sure. Getting news faster. I guess. Being sure. Because they said it's like, it was like in another town over and like, they can't really drive. They can't get there and like the mom, like, the mom doesn't answer the phone. I don't know. So it, it was kind of random. Like, why are they going to the cemetery? But like, I guess. It could have made sense that they're like, we'll know this sooner. Also, like, how is Max going to even know where the sanitary is? Yeah. Well, but it ends up working out because Leonard shows up and he takes a little boy ghost. And they realize that it's Connie's nephew and that Connie, because she's a cop, she would have known or she could have known about the abuse. And again, that makes her make sense as the target or as the person who targeted them because Leonard would have wanted someone who was living a tough life. Which I will say this was a great twist because it also made sense why Shiloh didn't realize it before. Because so when they, when Francesca says, oh, the ghost he took is named Henry. She's like, what's his last name? Vaughn. And she's like, that's the same last name as Connie. And again, they live in a pretty small town. Because the first like, well, that could be a common last name. And then she, and Shiloh's like, well, Connie doesn't have any kids. Like, she's not married or anything. But then she's like, but Connie has a sister. And Connie's sister had a kid. So, I don't know. I just, I thought it was, like, a good reveal. Because, you know, before you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how could she have not noticed that before? But, like, it would make sense that she wouldn't know, like, everything about Connie's, like, family. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I did like that. And I liked how it was revealed. It was just a nice plot twist. But we're just going to kind of skip over the violence because there's a lot of violence, shooting, beating people up. Tying people to trees. And we are not a gory show here, so we're going to skip most of that. But basically, they go to Connie's house, they kidnap her, and they have her show them where she met Leonard for the first time. And this is how they're able to find Leonard's trailer where... Poppy had said that he had held her before he killed her. So they go there. They find Mas- Mask. They find Max. And they're able to rescue him. Which basically what happens is... I mean, there's a lot of things happening. They almost don't get him. Leonard actually ends up killing Max. Like, strangling him. But Francesca is able to do her new magical power and push Max into his body. Yeah. And obviously Shiloh is super grateful to her and Shiloh is running to take Max away. But then Leonard grabs Miles. Wait, I'm out of order. Am I out of um, order? You are out of order, but it doesn't really matter. She's running I'm out with of order. Max. Let me go he back. He grabs Miles. She's running with Max. He grabs Miles and he's like, I'll shoot Miles if you don't give me Max back. And... Obviously, Shiloh's kind of mentioned throughout the book and, like, her thoughts about how she doesn't feel like she can love Miles because it feels like the only person she has room for love is Max because not only does she love him, but she has to protect him because there's no one else protecting him or caring for him. 
So she's having like this moment of what am I going to do? Am I going to let Miles die so I can take Max with me? And while she's hesitating, Jonah throws like a rock at Leonard. And Leonard had said like, if anyone moves, I'm going to shoot him. Which I, that was unclear directions, honestly. I didn't realize that because he seemed to mainly be talking to Shiloh. But Jonah obviously did not hear those instructions. So he ends up shooting Miles in the side, which obviously... At this point, I was like, Miles is dead. That's a fatal wound. But let's hope for something else, I guess. So Leonard shoots him. Shiloh immediately runs over to Miles with Max, sets Max down, obviously, because in the moment, she's just like, oh my gosh, Miles has been shot. She tells Jonah, like, they pack his wound, and she tells him to, like, take him to the road so they can try to get help. And then when she turns around, Max is gone. That's because Leonard has grabbed him. Leonard strangled Max, kills him. Okay, so much for not going into all the gore, but yes. Well, this is important, I feel like, to, like, explain. I guess. I guess I don't. Or, like, giving the story. But basically, he does that, and then. Francesca saves him, and then. Francesca saves him, which, that was okay. Now she can do that. And Shiloh kills Leonard. She. By shooting him. Shoots him a bunch. She shoots him, but we're not going to the gore, I guess. I don't know. I feel like we had to tell what happened. That that was like the most exciting part of the whole book. But so I guess we are a gory show here. We went into the gory details. But anyway, so that's what happens. And they take so she is able to save Max. But when they get to Miles, they rush him to the emergency room. But he is weak. They rush him to the emergency room, but he seems dead. I thought to me he was dead. He was already dead. But apparently he still had a heartbeat. Yeah, I thought he was dead too. But then they get, you know, they get to the hospital. Max is fine. Miles wakes up. And obviously when Shiloh walks in, Miles' family hates Shiloh now, obviously. And Miles goes crazy when she walks in. Like he starts screaming and they're like, we need you to leave. And this honestly reminded me of Hunger Games in Mockingjay when... PETA, that's the exact... Yeah, in Mockingjay, yeah. When Katniss walks in and PETA's been... The Tracker Jacker Venom. Yes. He's been turned against her. And he, like, goes ballistic. And I was like, that is honestly what the vibe is, which is going to make sense in about two seconds because the next chapter is just Francesca. She's walking down the street and Miles' ghost shows up and she's like, and he's like, I think I'm dead, Francesca. And which begs the question, who's in Miles' body? And like, I feel like it's Leonard, right? Honestly, an iconic ending, though, literally ends with Miles being like, I think I'm a ghost. And Francesca yeah. being like, uh-oh. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen. But still, that is the vibe <laughs> that yeah. the end of the book gives off. And yes, I would say, like, we said, I figured Miles was going to be dead, whether like his body was dead or his soul was dead, whatever, just because to me there was no way that Shiloh was going to be able to save Miles and Max because I feel like there has to be more conflict to continue the story on to two more books. So, and this obviously set up a great cliffhanger to want to get you to read the next book. And so, who do you think is in the body? So, yes, obviously we said the question is then who's in Miles' body? Leonard to me seems like the first obvious person. When after after Shiloh killed him, maybe his spirit was able to just jump over into Miles's body as he was dying, which would still, which also begs the question of, 
I mean, Miles's body was not couldn't have been dead though, right? Because like it had it was still alive. If he was even if he was able to take over his body, like his wounds must have not actually been fatal. Like, do you know what I mean? Yes. So well, like by, again, by our logic, by our logic that it's like okay, the body still has to be viable. So then it must have been like where even though it was in his like stomach area, torso area, it must have missed like vital organs. So that would explain that. Then the other thing was the only thing that I this was just like random, just to be like if it wasn't the obvious answer of Leonard was what if it was the little boy Henry that Leonard had kidnapped because Henry didn't speak. That was something that Francesca had said. This boy never speaks. And like we said, when Shiloh comes into the room, Miles wakes up for the first time since post-surgery and he doesn't actually say any words. He's just screaming and thrashing around, which obviously for both of those scenarios could mean if it was Leonard, it could have been reaction to Shiloh because Shiloh killed him and or like wanted to scare her away so that she wouldn't bother Miles because she would obviously find out that it wasn't actually Miles in his body. So that's one option. Or it could have been the little boy Henry who was just terrified and didn't know what was happening and is nonverbal, so he doesn't know how to make words. You know what I mean? Yeah. I honestly, I think one of the compelling arguments for it not being Leonard is that if Leonard has been body hopping for a while, he would know not to have an overreaction like that. Like, he would probably know not to um, do that because that reaction makes him look suspicious. I mean, in the moment, he gets away with it because he's in a hospital bed. But, like, it's kind of a, like, to lose control like that because you, like, see the person who murdered you doesn't seem like something someone who's been successfully body hopping for 100 years would be able to do. So I just... And I also personally, I think it would be more interesting if it's not Leonard in there. I agree with that. I think that it would be more interesting. But I was also, I think that if it was Leonard, I don't think Leonard actually would have yelled like that because he was afraid. I think it was part of the act to give the impression that Miles is afraid of Shiloh. I guess. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. Like, or not afraid, but just like. Wants to do with her. Doesn't want to see her and could have some like brain damage. I don't know. But. That is, but I do think, I also agree that I think it would be much more interesting if it was not Leonard, whether it's the little boy Henry or it's somebody that we don't know else, like one of the other ghosts, like George Haggerty or like, cause again, if, what if like other ghosts could jump into a body? Yeah. Like somebody who was a bystander who we've met in passing at the cemetery. Like, I think that I also agree would be more interesting than just making it Leonard. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts? Mine is just like, I wonder what's going to happen with the dad. Because obviously he did not kill and kidnap the son, so he'll probably be released back. But like, are they going to leave him? I really hope so, because if not, I'd be worried that he's going to kill them. Yes. So, because again, if they release him, I mean, that's going to cause conflict all of its own. Because obviously now that they, the town knows that he's abusive. So... And again, with, like, abuse and stuff, like, that's where, like, people get killed because, like, the laws and stuff, like, they can't do anything until after the fact. So I wonder how that's going to play out. But, you know, I hope that he gets killed and wherever he's being held. That that will be, you know, the best hope that I would have. But I doubt that's going to happen. So that is obviously going to cause more conflict. Great. Just what we needed. Other thought? Do you have any thoughts? 
I would just say again what I said at the beginning, this book is just a lot. It's definitely not for the lighthearted. It's, again, I would have to compare it to The Lovely Bones, which before this I would say was the darkest thing we've read. But I think... I still think that's darker. I think that's darker only because to me that's like a little... It's obviously more realistic. This has obviously the fantastical element with the ghosts and stuff, so it like can make it more lighthearted. But I have a feeling this... Yeah, this, like, feels a little bit like fantasy. It does feel like fantasy, but to me, I think that this has the potential to be worse than that because there's obviously series, so there's much more that we're going to go through where it could be worse. Where yes. that, So that, I guess, is what I'm anticipating. The Lovely Bones was a lot. And, you know, what I'm thinking also, this is worse for me because when we read The Lovely Bones on the show, obviously, I'd already read the book and I've seen the movie. So, like, even, like, when we talked about it, like, you thought that, oh, was he going to kill somebody else? Like, you had all these thoughts. I knew that none of that was going to happen, so it was not nearly as scary to read because I knew what was coming, whereas this, obviously, I have no idea what's going to happen. So that, I think, is definitely also why I'm like, this feels worse to me than The Lovely Bones because The Lovely Bones, like, I knew exactly what we were going to be reading. Yeah, you're living in the suspense, but I lived in the suspense for both of them. And so you're going to have a more, like, you're going to be able to have a more objective, like, judge on that, whereas I'm like, it's not comparable. Yeah, I just think The Lovely Bones, like you said, because it's realistic, and The Lovely Bones... And The Lovely Bones was more graphic, I would say. And The Lovely Bones was more, like, honestly more depraved. Like, this guy, Leonard, is twisted, but, like, he's, like, insane twisted. And I feel like, I mean, obviously that's scary, but it's not as... I find that less, like, uh, thrilling. Not thrilling in, like, a yay thrill. Like, thrilling is in, like, on the edge of your seat thrill. <laughs> yay thrill. <laughs> like, it's not a happy thrill. It's, like, a, you know, a thriller. I would say that because, this one feels... Or what? Because in The Lovely Bones, he, the guy, he's disgusting. Like, he's a creep. He's a pedophile. He's, like, a rapist. Like, he's violent. And... He's like calculating. He like hunts these women down. Whereas this guy, he's just like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He's like, I think that if I kill children, that's good for them. Like, like not saying that that's not evil. Obviously it's horrible, but like his logic is so bad. And like, it's like, it's so ridiculous, like ridiculously wrong that, I mean, obviously it was scary. And when Shiloh's got the gun in her boobs, I was like, oh my God, this is not going to end well. She did but, not, She had the gun in her boobs? What? Yes. She literally wrapped the gun up in her scarf and put it down her chest so that I her mom wouldn't notice her, it. I yes. thought it was in her purse. She I had a purse. I think she put it there eventually. But anyway, point is, like, that was, like, obviously bad, but I feel like lovely bones because we were discovering how many gross things he was doing and was capable of doing the whole time i was expecting that to happen again whereas in this book we knew he was going to kidnap a child to kill it and we didn't know any other children so there was no threat of him killing kidnapping another child okay yeah i get that and also i would say i think also for that i would think that this idea of like Leonard, a man who's been a soul who's been body hopping and is stealing children to kill is like a much, it's not something that I would be worried about in my day-to-day life. Whereas like pedophile, like those are real monsters that we live with in the real world. So I feel like that is where like, it's yes. a more realistic thing that like, 
Whereas if something like that happened... Like, that could happen to you. Yes, it could happen to you. Whereas this, I'm like, I couldn't expect that. Like, I'm not expecting that to happen. It's just more, like, gross to read. Same thing with, like, even the abuse. Like, we're adults. I'm... I'm not expecting to be abused by my parents at 15 years old. I'm past that point in my life, and that did not happen. So it's, like, not something that, like, you're able to, like, relate to as much. Whereas, like, I feel like even not just pedophile, but, like, somebody kidnapping you, raping you, killing you. I feel like those are more, like, tangible things that you can be afraid of versus, you know, man who can touch spirits and kill children. Like, it's just it's (laughs) – It's just different. Like See I said, what I it's mean? more fantastical. Like, like, obviously, it's evil, but like, I'm like, when you, t- when you, again, when you got the ghost monocle in the same book, I'm like, I can't be that scared. No, yeah. It's just like, I mean, it's like Voldemort, like in Harry Potter. He's very scary, but like, I'm not worried about Voldemort coming to kill me because, I, one, I'm not Harry Potter, so he's not going to kill me. But also, just the idea of like, that's not real. Like, and that I think is the difference. Yes. I feel like normally when we have, like, not. I don't want to say disagreements because that's like too harsh of a word. But when we have differing opinions, normally I always acquiesce to what you say. But I feel like for once, I have convinced you. Well, I already said that I feel like how I was feeling, I already said that it's biased because just like you said, the scariest part of the Lovely Bones for you was, you know, you're learning about how terrible this man is. Is he going to do it to someone else? I didn't have that fear because I'd already read the book. So I knew that that wasn't going to happen. So already I, we couldn't have had the same opinion because we weren't starting at the same point. So I totally agree with you. And I already said, I think you're going to be able to be a much better judge of which one you think is worse because you got to experience both for the first time, which I didn't. I mean, I said, when I read The Lovely Bones for the first time, it was scarring to say the least. It, especially after watching the movie where it was not as graphic, like it was scarring. Like, again, not for lighthearted. Like, that book needs a content warning on the back. I mean... That book needs, like, every content warning. Though... I mean, I feel like it's in the description, but, like, it's graphic. Like, it's graphic. Yes. Okay. Well, let's (laughs) put a pin in this. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, that's, that's enough of the darkness for this week. But, you know, we've got more coming because next week we'll be reading the first half of the second book, They Whisper. So if you read along, you can go ahead and read chapters 1 through 19 with us. And if you have predictions, theories, questions, comments, whatever, remember you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. We just got a let, an email from a fan this week and she just wanted to tell us like about the books that we've read, that she's read, and it was just really sweet. Um... And obviously, by the time this episode comes out, you will have heard back from us way before then. But um, yeah, like you don't have to. I mean, obviously, if you have questions or whatever, but you can literally just like email us and talk to us about the books. We love that. So just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact, select the rock paperback. That'll send us an email and we do respond. So you'll hear back from us. You can also reach the network at large on Twitter at Jordan Nerd Party or Instagram at the Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash the Nerd Party. And to find me, I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at Asia Bonia on TikTok and Asia.bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network, but make sure you subscribe to us so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe button and have a good one. We'll see you next week.
Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.